Well, folks, it's Jerry Adams here. August Arise to Sula Gumsa. Go well, Shiv. Go Han Moy. August the Dini Well and Melfersha. Go well, Shiv. Igwin Salt. As Fela and Fobble Ta Fela and Fobble. Go Huntak or Fad and Blaine Shaw. So just imagine laying in your bed as the sun begins to rise above the horizon. And then you're wakened by loud banging on your front door, the sound of breaking glass and the splitting of wood as the door finally surrenders to the sledgehammer. Sitting up half asleep as the noise of booted feet comes charging up your stairs and your bedroom door is kicked in. The screams of your children, your spouse, or your parents as uniformed soldiers and blackened faces grab and drag you from your bed, demand your name, haul you out of the bedroom, button blows raining down on you. Heave down the stairs to the street outside where you're roughly thrown onto the back of an armoured vehicle and forced to lie on the floor. Shouted abuse, threats and English accents ringing in your ears. Fists and boots hammering against your head and body, rifled butts and battens thumping into you. The noise and clatter of metal doors being opened and closed. The smell of diesel, of people screaming in the street, of not knowing what is happening, where you're going or what has happened to you. Or what has happened to your family that you've just been yanked from. Last Monday, exactly 50 years ago to the day, the 9th of August, 1971, hundreds of families in nationalist areas across the North suffered that terror. Thousands of British soldiers smashed their way into homes, dragging men and boys, old and young, from their beds and their terrified families to holding centres where most were beaten. Fourteen men were hooded and subjected over a week to brutal in-depth interrogation techniques by the RUC and the British Ministry of Defence Joint Services Interrogation Wing, JSIW. Internment, or Operation Demetrius, as it was named by the Brits, was an act of mass political violence and intimidation directed by the Unionist regime and Downing Street against the nationalist and civil rights activists. It led to fierce rioting with British forces and the erection of barricades around most nationalist areas of Belfast and Derry. Fourteen people were killed on the first day. Five of them were among the ten who were to die over a 36-hour period when shot by the Paratroot Regiment during the Bella Murphy Massacre. It took 50 years for their families to break through the lies and propaganda and cover-up to secure truth about the events of August 1971 through an inquest. Thousands of families became refugees in their own country, fleeing their homes from violence and intimidation. Most of these from Belfast ended up in a refugee camp in Gormanstown, County Meath, run by the Irish Army. The refugees from Derry and Tyrone made their way to Finner Camp in Donegal. Some of these eventually ended up in camps in Money, County Wicklow, Kilworth, in Cork, and in Galway. Within a week, the Irish Times was quoting on Taoiseach Jack Lynch warning that 
Their reception centres for refugees had almost reached saturation point. More than 5,000 refugees, mostly women and children, had fled the north and were now in camps in the south. According to a report by Freya McClements in the Irish Times last weekend, there were 601 refugees in the Garda Training College at Templemore, County Tipperary. Dublin Corporation housed 1,250 in hospitals, schools and convents, and about 100 refugees from Derry were sent to the Ursuline Convent in Slego. The people who were lifted came from several different generations. Liam Mulholland was 78, one of about 50 older men like him who were lifted simply because they had been interned before. Internment had been used in every decade since the island was partitioned. And then there were younger people, young student members of People's Democracy, a few members of the Civil Rights Association. Some people were picked up because they were related to political activists. Others were completely uninvolved, were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. There were local community and tenants association activists, there were Republicans, but despite the fact that the first killings had been carried out by loyalists, that the first explosions were the responsibility of the UVF, and the first RUC officer had been killed by unionists, no unionists were interned. Violence escalated, scores more died. In December 1971, McGurk's Bar in North Belfast was bombed and 15 nationalists were killed. The RUC tried to blame the IRA, but it was Union's paramilitaries acting in collusion with the British forces. The parachute regiment, the shock troops of the British Army, who had killed so many in Ballymurphy, were sent into Derry on the 30th of January 1972 and killed 14 civil rights marches, marchers on Bloody Sunday. Weeks later, the Stormont Parliament and regime was gone, never to return. But the street protests and marches against internment continued and eventually morphed into protests in support of the political prisons in the hits blocks and Armagh Women's Prison. Decades more conflict followed. It's difficult for those who didn't live through these times to appreciate that emotional and human level of trauma that individual families and the nationalist community collectively experienced. But instead of coercing the nationalist or Republican people into acquiescing to unionist or British rule, and termed galvanised resistance to the unionist regime and to the British state in Ireland, and termed cemented the nationalist people's opposition to British rule. One additional consequence out of the chaos and conflict in the aftermath of internment was the publication in November 1972 in this parish of a an eight-page local newspaper published by the Anderson Central Civil Resistance Committee. The new paper's focus was on telling the truth and lifting the lid on the actions of the British state that were largely ignored, censored or excused by most of the mainstream media. Anderson News has played a central and continuing role since then. Well done to all involved. My friend Alex Maskey, my comrade, will not be standing in the Assembly elections next May. It will be the first time since winning Sinn Féin's 
First Belfast Council seat in 1983, that he will not be an elected representative. I have known Alex since the 1970s. He's first and foremost a Republican activist, committed to the goal of Irish unity and a republic based on the 1916 proclamation. I am confident that he will continue to be an activist and to work for the principles and the objectives that he's dedicated his life of activism to. Of course, it's impossible to think of Alec without thinking about Liz. Liz has been by his side through all these years, but she's also an activist in her own right. This week, as we recall the introduction of internment 50 years ago, let's remember that Liz was the first woman interned. Alex was also interned and they were remarried after their release. When Alex was first elected in June 1983 as a councillor, the unionist on Belfast City Council refused to talk to him. They tried to shout him down, they sounded horns, blew rape whistles and threatened him. As an elected official, Alex continued to be constantly stopped, delayed, detained, searched and verbally and physically abused. Sometimes the British Army were involved, most times it was the old IUC. When the Stevens inquiry and the collusion concluded its findings, it found that Alex was targeted by the notorious Brand Nelson. During their decades of activism, the home of Liz and Alex, the Maskey household, was frequently the target of attacks by the British Army, by the IUC and by Unionist death squads. Alex was grievously wounded in one such attack in 1987, and on another occasion in 93, his friend Alex Lundy, was, Alan Lundy, was shot dead in Alex's living room by a UDA gang. Undaunted by this, Alex went on to become the first ever Sinn Féin mayor, and only the second Catholic at the time to hold that post in the entire history of our fair city. Perhaps it was his love of boxing, and the 71 out of 75 fights he won as a schoolboy boxer that give him the courage and tenacity to face up to the challenges of being a Republican leader during desperately hard times. Most likely it's because he's a natural leader who's prepared to stand up to injustice and oppression regardless of the efforts of others to terrorise or intimidate or beat him. Alex demonstrated his strength of character in more recent times as the Concordia the Speaker of the Assembly. He was fair, dealing with everyone, even those who wanted to play the old sectarian politics. So Alex Maskey is standing down from elected office, but I'm sure he will continue to inspire and to lead us as we continue to make progress towards achieving and winning the unity referendum. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Liz. Tomwich, fear, wake, Debsha. And we wish both of you, Alex and Liz, the very best of good luck. And finally, readers who have been following my struggle with Russell, the renegade rooster, will be pleased to know that that stressful period of my life has come to an end. Daddy Dog Nubber was not any help whatsoever. After his initial burst of bravado, he wilted in the face of Russell's intimidating aggression. I can't say I really blame him. Russell fouled him while he was using an outside toilet. 
I caught the end of that attack as Daddy Dognabra retreated backwards, hobbled by his trousers and undergarments floundering around his ankles as he tried to protect his Henry Halls, while Russell lunged at him and them. Russell fled when I arrived with my hurting stick. So did Daddy Dognabra. I haven't seen him since. It was the day after that that I caught Russell. I'm not going to give you all the details of that grisly last encounter. My Bella Murphy childhood and our big game hunting expeditions on the Black and Divis Mountains stood me in good stead along with my camouflage poncho. His death was an accident, but I won't dwell on that. Suffice to say, Russell's goose is cooked. Vegans among you may object, vegetarians also. Even pescatarians, including free pescatarians like R.G. Though, they have little room to complain, given that they kill fish. So Russell has cock-a-doodle-dood for the last time. He was defiant to the end. How will I remember him? He made the best cock on vin I have ever tasted. Slan, Russell. The lesson is, don't mess with the best, because the best... Don't mess. And we go out now with the birdie song performed by the tweets. Slana Walya, enjoy the rest of the failure. Gunyuri and Ta Libsha Gulyar. <laughs>